0: Welcome welcome, everybody, to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by the thehockeythinktank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today. It's just going to be Jeff and I's solo mission on this one. A little bit of a mailbag. Episode that we've done in the past where we have gone out on social media and asked you guys to uh, write in with some questions that you have that you'd like us to discuss. So went through and uh, got a bunch of them and looking forward to uh, answering your guys's questions here. But before we get to that, let's bring on the talent of the podcast, Jeff Levicio. Jeff, what's going on today? Hot, Carl.
1: <laughs> just, uh, just got back from the gym and I'm currently eating
0: six hard-boiled eggs. You're getting soft, just six? <laughs> <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> how was your, so we're recording on Sunday night and we are putting this podcast out tomorrow, so it will be unedited. We're rearing and ready to go, so we got to be on top of our toes here today, uh, but we've also been uh, pretty busy. So what, how was your weekend? what you have going on?
1: Uh, I work seven days a week, Topher. So worked. That's today. Worked yesterday. bunch A bunch of guys from one of my high school organizations and uh, my makeup group and a weekend crew that I have. So that was really fun getting the boys in. And then uh, last night was one of my one of my guys' twenty first birthdays. So a bunch of the guys got together and rented a party bus. Obviously, being safe, oh, wow. driving us around, so nobody has to drive. And, uh, it was a great time, but the one guy, I'm not going to say any names. The one guy gets the party bus off of Craigslist. Okay. <laughs> this thing was the most gangster quote unquote party bus I have ever seen. We're, we're, uh, we're worried the bus might just blow up, you know, going from bar to bar, but, uh, we wound up, wound up. Living and having some great stories to tell, so that was that was a pretty fun fun thing, and you know, good good to build like the group camaraderie. You know, even though it's a summer workout group, it's all very high level guys that that this was with, and um, you know, those kind of things that they can go in the gym and laugh about and talk about on Monday and Tuesday. It just kind of brings them together, and and you know, it's just like a team in the summer. Like that's what I try and build through each of my sessions. So it was kind of like team building. I looked at it and just had a ton of fun with the boys.
0: That's awesome! I thought you said, "Oh, and we ended up living, so that was good." <laughs>
1: <laughs> What's his five-year plan? Don't die,
0: <laughs> Sid. Good old Sid.
1: Um, how was your weekend? I just saw on Twitter your bro just threw a video up of you absolutely making look making a goalie look pretty dumb. I'm sorry, goalie, but you you did something pretty nasty in your uh, in your charity game
0: in New York. How was that? Oh man, it was awesome. So uh, it's the fifth year we've done a charity game here at uh, Cornell. And uh, basically what we do, we get a bunch of NHL players, uh, a bunch of Cornell alumni, a bunch of local business people that come out and we do a charity game that benefits uh, Racker, which is a school that provides much needed services for kids with special needs. And uh, this is year five that we've done it. And over the five years, we've actually raised over $500,000 for the, uh, for the school yeah so hey. so uh it's pretty fun and uh, our big names this year we had uh Dustin Brown he's an Ithaca kid so he came and played actually his his little uh his little kid played too in the game which was really funny he ended up scoring a hat trick he's like a peewee so that was pretty funny and uh so you Alex guys are the same size uh oof actually I'm a little taller than him. So screw you. <laughs> Congrats. Boom. Roasted back on me. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, uh Alex Tuck, uh, played from the Vegas Golden Knights, lives in Syracuse, grew up in Syracuse too. So, uh, those were our two kind of big names. Joe Neuendijk, uh, NHL hall of famer was uh, here as a coach. And, uh, it's just a really fun event. Uh, a lot of great people and we raise a lot of money for uh, a great cause, but yeah, I came in on the shootout and, uh, I'll post it on social media here in the morning, but, uh, um had fun with it so
1: you should make it like the little things from last night and then it just says like i nipped (laughs) 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 that would be so funny i don't know if i have that in me man i'm not (laughs) no i totally would do that If it was me but that's not you (laughs) (laughs)
0: that's so funny no it was it was a lot of fun i mean one of the things we try to do is make it a fun event for everybody and Uh, we typically get anywhere from 1500 to 2000 fans at the games. That's about what we had last night too. And I think last night we raised about 125 K. So, uh, wow, really fun stuff, really fun stuff. And it's a great org. That's the best part about it. The great organization and, you know, having family members that have special needs. I, I know firsthand where that money goes and the kind of services and support that that place, uh, you know, provides for, for people. And so we're very, very happy to do it, to team up Cornell hockey and, and Racker.
1: Yeah. That's, that's effing unbelievable, man. Congratulations to you and everyone who helped with that. I mean, that's just so much money. That is wow. Very cool. Very, very cool. Next year, if you need uh, an ex hockey player with ruggedly handsome, good looks to set up a kissing booth for charity, <laughs> you know, I'll, uh, I'll donate my services
0: oh god ew
1: <laughs> i was actually thinking i don't know what i was watching a movie where like they, they were joking around they like did that and i was like that is actually so disgusting if you think about that yeah like just lining up for a for a kissing booth like ew that's just oh, oh. Yeah.
0: oh. Anyways. <laughs> Uh, to all the listeners, you're very happy that you didn't get to see that. Be happy that you didn't have to see that, I should say. Um, but yeah, well, you are playing in a charity game coming up. We've got one in, uh, in three weeks from today on, uh, August 4th in Chicago, playing for special Olympics Chicago that we're putting together. So, um, that should be fun. You excited to come on up and play me and you we're on the same team. I put us on the same team for that one yeah buddy except, the connections back together
1: oh my god toF I'm gonna be so bad it's gonna be <laughs> unbelievable the last two games I played in were with the Blues alumni and like before those I was like I hadn't skated for like six months and I was like okay like if I'm going play with the alumni like I gotta go out and like hit some practices. So like with my team, I put my gear on for like three straight weeks and practice with them. Cause I didn't want to embarrass myself. Cause I, dude, if I don't use it, I lose it real quick. <laughs> and it's been like, it's been like uh, the last blues alumni game I played in. Uh, I don't even know. It was like two months before their season ended. So it's been a long time. I'm going to be so bad and I don't have time to go skate right now. Cause I'm working so much. So I just, Oh, it's going to be, nobody judge me on this game that comes I to think, watch.
0: You know what I think we need to do, seriously? I think we need to start doing your $20 fine instead of humble brags. Your $20 fine is now going to be, I have no time for anything because I work so much. Because <laughs> I feel it's like nine times an episode.
1: Dude, it is, I mean, you're like, well, why, why don't you have a voice? Well, because I work so much. Why are you going to be terrible at hockey? Well, I work so much, I can't <laughs> go skate.
0: Oh uh, no! It's going to be awesome, man. And uh, the two teams—it's going to be Team Kendall Coin Schofield. That's the team we're on, and uh, Team Pauls, Josh Pauls, Fuzzy Pauls. So this game—this game is really, really special because obviously, well, for number one, it's uh, all the proceeds are going to Special Olympics Chicago, which um, does amazing things for uh, kids with special needs in Chicago. And number two, this game is all about inclusion. So the you know the stars of this game are going to be Kendall Coin Snow. Snowfield Kendall Coyne Schofield who is one of the top women's players in the world arguably the top women's player in the U.S. and then uh, the other team is Josh Paul's the top sled hockey player uh, in the U.S. and possibly in the world so um, again we're going to have NHL players we're going to have former NHL players we're going to have guys like you and I. Uh, the Blackhawks alumni is getting involved I actually just got a text today uh, Dale Tallon the GM of the Florida Panthers is going to be coaching at the event so um, it's uh, it's going to be a great event again we've done this this is the third year we're going to do it and uh, so if you want to find out more about it um, go to sochicago.org org, and uh, you can get tickets and you know even if you go to the website just to find out about some of the great things that they're doing uh, with their programming and stuff it's it's again much needed for for kids with special needs that's very cool can't wait yeah for sure all right let's get to the mailbag questions and at the end we'll hit the uh, the coaching conference the player development conference that we're doing what do you think
1: yeah love it you the right. of the ship.
0: All right. You got first question, though. What do you got? Let's hear it.
1: Yeah. First question is probably my favorite. Um, this comes from uh, John Lounsbury, our boy with the gel sticks. He says, my question to the podcast is, and he put five dots because he apparently doesn't know an ellipses is supposed to be three. <laughs> That's okay, Lounsbury. Don't worry. If you were going to a wedding, name the top five songs that get you out of your seat. His number one would be September by Earth, Wind & Fire. Uh, Lounsey, I'm also not old enough to know that song. I'm sorry. You're (laughs) dating yourself. No, No, that's a good tune. Um, If I was going to go top, the number one for me is definitely Shout. If I hear that, now, wait a minute. (laughs) Oh, buddy, it's over. You've been so good to me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm giving her
0: on the dance floor.
1: You know it.
0: What about I love you? that. I'm all Motown, man. I love like one of the best weddings I ever went to, you know, Walsh, Chris Walsh, right? Yep. Yeah. So junior teammate of mine, one of my really good buddies. And, uh, so he's from Detroit. His wife is from Detroit and they got married downtown Detroit and the band that played literally played Motown every song. And it was one of the most fun weddings I've ever been to. So you give me a little, like build me up buttercup type stuff, a uh, little a little Supremes. Like that's, that gets me going. I think that's unreal. And then actually, you know what a sneaky good wedding song is that you will get made fun of by going to the DJ or the band to ask for, but every time it gets everybody out on the dance floor. And this needs to be a song that's like a 11 o'clock at night type song, like not to start the night. Uh, but Backstreet Boys, I want it that way. Unbelievable. End of the night wedding song. Classic. Classic. Every time I get the stink eye from the DJ, like, are you kidding me, buddy? Oh. And then uh, he plays it, and then he's like, okay, I got it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with some BSB early 2000s. <laughs> they're coming back. They're doing their thing again. But uh, Really? Yeah, I, think, I, think, I feel like I saw them on – that they're back on tour. I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, you can't go wrong with some Backstreet Boys, some NSYNC, you know, something like – just some pop, good old pop. Good, I like oldies and pop. I don't like dancing to like rap music unless it's like you know a '90s rap where you can like actually dance to it. That the music these kids listen to now, like ugh, the dance moves they do in between sets when we're playing rap in the gym, I'm like, what are you doing? You look like someone electrocuted you. Uh, okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: I chirp them all the time for their music. They're I know.
0: for saying that i'm not i'm not a huge fan of it anyway but let's get to some hockey talk now what do you say all right all right so this was one i thought this was really interesting i got this one on twitter from jason ronan and uh he said if either of you became director of hockey for a town program what would be the top three to five ideas you'd stress from the beginning with coaches parents and players awesome question
1: that's a really good question you take that one first (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> I, figured I figured I'll that was going to come. I'll back, off coming. you, baby. Okay. So here's, here's what I would do. Number one, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, we feel like a majority of the youth organizations, uh, especially at the AAA level, but I think this is pretty mainstream through you know, tier one, tier two, tier three, is that a lot of it, there's not really a big development plan for the entire organization. Right. It's just a dad coach at each level that just kind of takes charge uh, and kind of does their own thing, Um, which, again, people have said that that is one of the biggest problems, dad coaches. And, you know, so the first thing I would do is I would write a development plan, things that we want each team to accomplish when it comes to skills, when it comes to culture and all that kind of stuff, almost like a little Bible that they have to abide by and just set an entire culture for the entire organization. I think just kind of broad strokes that would be the first thing uh, that I would do The second thing that I would do is I would um, put like i don't know what you call it like a manifesto or, or something but a best practices of communication between coach and parents like and you you put it in writing and these are our guidelines if you're a coach and you want to talk to parents these are our guidelines if you're parents and you want to want to talk to coaches just to kind of streamline that process. Because I think if the communication between parents and coaches were good, that just, it sets you up for success. And if it's not, it sets you up for failure. I think that communication is so important. And then the last thing I would do is I would invest in coaching education. I think that is so sorely missed in, Uh, I would have like monthly meetings where all the coaches had to get in a room and they would have to present to each other on things that they're doing, whether it was systems, whether it was skill development, whether it was culture, whatever it may be, but find a way, you know, categorically and consistently to make your coaches better. Um, those would be my three things that I would do. I had that question, so I kind of thought of that before the podcast, but those would be the three things I would do. What do you think about that?
1: Sorry. I was munching an egg (laughs) (laughs) and we're live still. Okay. Um, I, I honestly think that was an unbelievable question from Jason. I would agree with the somehow setting up a system for communication. Like, I mean, I just think that is so massive. Um, like I feel very lucky that I'm the assistant coach and not the head coach because I know how many emails head coaches get. And with good reason, you know, parents are trying to do the best for their kids and things like that. But definitely I could see it getting overwhelming. So I don't know what that system would be. I'd bring in someone smarter than me, such as yourself to figure out what would work the best um, for all parties involved. But I think the number one thing I would do as if I became like everyone had to listen to what I said, I would, Get all of the coaches, um, and the people on the board, and all that together, and like I, I think this is such a big deal that people don't like look at how big of a piece this is to aiding in the development of their children. Not even just talking about hockey. Just like,
0: are you actually going to get to your point? Or are you just? Gonna yeah, like, I am, man. <laughs>
1: Invest, investing in investing in the, <clears throat> the organization's like cultural ideas and motto like that would be massive. And it would have to start with everyone on the board and all the coaches and the hockey director and being like, these are our core values as an organization. This is what we want these kids to get out of this from a life standpoint. And then also a hockey standpoint. And then those are just always being reinforced through signs in the rink. And the coaches always having to talk about those things and, you know, respect and all those things that are going to make good adults, human beings, good citizens. I think that would be number one. And then two would be the, the um, thing that you talked about with talking with the parents and the coaches and then three, I, I agree like with you again, coaching, um, coaching clinics and seminars, like get, get coaching education in there as much as you can because it's, everything rolls downhill. You have bad coaches, you, you're not going to get as good of players.
0: Amen. No, yeah, I think coaching education is so important. Just getting everybody on the same page and, and having a big culture. I think that's kind of the theme that both of us have kind of talked about here in this. Um, so, yeah, Jason Ronan, great question. Vex, what's your next one? You're up. That was a that
1: was a really good question. This is a great question from Harris Vetterman from Twitter. He said, "How hard should parents push their kids, U10 to U14 age range, in the off season?" off ice training, watching games, exercises, et cetera. Thanks. Um, it's a really good question, Harris, because I, I can only ima- I don't have a child, but I can only imagine that if he wanted to play sports and he's like, I want you to help me get better. I would probably be hard to not push him too hard, but you know, you got to find a sweet spot, I think. And I think the main thing that you need to think about is it has to be the kid wanting to do everything. If you're pushing him to do things, I, I don't think that is a good thing. Um, if he's always like, I want to get better. I want to go skate. I want to do this. And you want to help him facilitate those, th- those things. Absolutely. Yes. Also doing other sports and things like that, that'll make him a better hockey player, but it's gotta be all on the kid. How, if you're pushing him, out the door, into a trainer. He's not going to want to be there. It's, he's not going to get good results. And then also it might stress your relationship with your child. I've actually seen it far too many times in just a short few years I've been coaching.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's funny. Like, I think one of the things about parents with their kids, when it comes to these things is that you don't have to force them to sign up, but once they sign up, you force them to go you know, like you made a commitment to do this. Yeah. 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 You got to You got to follow through on your commitment. You know what I mean? Cause that's one thing that I've actually talked to a lot of parents about is that they don't want to push them to do X, Y, or Z. But once they say they want to do X, Y, or Z, and then they commit time, money, whatever it is to, whether it's another sport, whether it's a camp, whether it's a clinic, whatever it may be, then it's like, Hey, like you made a commitment. You got to do it now.
1: Um, that's a phenomenal point because my parents always did that with me. Like not just hockey or sports or anything. It was like, they were always like, my mom was always like, if you make a commitment, you will go to it. Like you gave them your word. Uh, that's really interesting. I never even realized she was doing that. Good call, <laughs> Good call Topher.
0: But I also, I saw a tweet. Um, it must've been like, I don't know, six months to, um, a year ago. And I can't remember who the NHL player was, but it was the dad talking about how, um, there was like some like drop in spring hockey stuff. Um, and it, maybe it was something that we like, we were talking about right now, where it's, they actually signed him up to go, but then the NHL player at 13 said, dad, I don't want to go today. I want to go hang out with my friends. And the dad said something effective, like he wanted to make him go, but then at the same time, he wanted to let his kid be a kid too. And he was thinking, like, "Well, if I forced him to go, is that going to make him not want to do it And then you know, like you said, go downhill and put him on a trajectory that way, but no, he was like, Hey, my kid wants to go hang out with his friends, so he actually said, "Yeah, go hang out with your friends, so I can see that side of it too that's a that's a tough question, you know like um some <laughs> you gotta, it's got be
1: it's got be kid by kid, yeah, you know? it's gotta be kid by kid it like for me um, if I told my parents I had a goal, they would not push me. Like if I was like sitting on the couch, let's just say, and I told them I was going to go for a jog, they wouldn't like come over and be like, you need to go for a jog, Jeff, because you want to make that team. They would be like, did you do your things to achieve your goal, to get closer to achieving your goal today? Like that kind of thing. Like, like manipulate me, quote unquote, you know, like, (laughs) Oh, Hey, you know, I know you had, that thing you're supposed to do once a day for, to reach that goal. You're trying to make that team. Did you do that stuff today? They probably would come over and do that. And then I would be like, Oh yeah, I need to do my thing. You know, don't be lazy. Like, I think that's probably what they would do rather than, Hey, did you run today? Did you do your 10 push-ups? You know, that
0: kind of thing. I think those, but I do think those kind of conversations are really important for parents and kids to have, uh, like for parents to say, Hey, like if you really have a dream of doing X, Y, or Z, whatever that dream is, it ain't easy, you know? And there's certain things you have to do to get better. And there's other kids all around the world that are, that have the same dream as you do. So like, I'm just like, I'm not forcing you to go to X, Y, or Z or whatever, but, there's other kids that are of similar ability to you that are going, yep. so just understand that. Um, and and who knows? Because and it depends. Who knows? It might depend on the day too. Maybe there's a day where you can push your kid, and maybe there's a day where you know, oh, hey, I got to pump the brakes here and let my kid do something else. Um, but it's I, I do. I think it's a, it's a certainly a gray area question. And I think, I think parents can make that call because they know their kids a lot better than we can, than we do. Um, But from a blanket statement, it's certainly, you know, part of the question is do not force your kids to play hockey 24 seven, especially in the summer, make them play other sports, make them hang out with their friends, um, allow them to do other things. I mean, we've talked so much on this podcast uh, a lot about how having balance is so important for, for a kid's development, both you know, in the rink, mentally, socially, emotionally, all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, no, totally agree. Totally, totally agree. Yeah, that is a really tough question. I mean, there's, that is not black and white. There's a lot of gray area um, there. Yeah, I, I agree. feel like Hit we were just, basis.
0: I feel like we were just talking out loud for that one because it can go to so many different directions. So hopefully we provide at least a little bit of perspective anyway Yeah. on, on what we think. But yeah, great great question. Another great question. Um, all right. My turn. Yep. Okay. Here we go. Uh, Trevor D on Twitter, uh, TDC underscore hockey, uh, said, what are some underrated skills that players and coaches are not teaching or working on enough? Can I take this one first? Go ahead. Passing, 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 passing. Oh my gosh. I just, I go on Instagram, go on Twitter, go on whatever. And you look at all these skill coaches doing all this stuff and you know, they're stick handling and they're doing all this, you know, tight turns and, uh, all that like, and that stuff's great. Don't get me wrong, but it's maybe 10% where I see a drill where there's a pass being made and the teams that pass the most and the teams that pass the best are the teams that win, the players that know how to get to open spots and the players who know how to anticipate and pass the pucks and then how to execute passing, making tape-to-tape passes flat, all that. Oh, my gosh. Passing, 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 passing. Rant over.
1: Okay. I would – I mean, obviously, I agree with that. You know, I see that. I was coaching U18, and there were times where I was just like, God, like – so when you give a pass, like you, it's yeah that you know that old saying they used to always say when we were coming up, like passes come from the heart. And it's like, <laughs> I are you gonna? That. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, man, we used to say that all the time. Passes come from the heart. Like if somebody gave a bad pass, and look, usually you look at the guy passing, it's because he doesn't care. He doesn't care, or he doesn't know to care that okay, I got to set my teammate up in a good position to catch this puck. It's got to be in front of him, or he's got you know, it's got to be where he wants to catch it in stride all these things and it's like so you got to care when you make passes and i just think that kids like you said there's no emphasis on it they kind of don't think about it. like oh if i don't have the puck if i'm not doing things with the puck then i i can be like i feel less detail oriented I,
0: I feel like in practices and this is even at the higher levels too you know when you do your flow drills they kind of do it like people think of those drills as just kind of like warm-up drills like the way that chafe used to talk about cornell's like no those are skill drills Because you're working on your passing, which is one of the most fundamental and important skills that you can have as a hockey player. Like those first two, three drills that you're doing, if it's flow, whatever you want to call it, like those are important drills. Because you're getting puck touches and you're getting passes and you got to call for pucks. Like that's another thing, Uh, communication, underrated, right? Like uh, I would stop practice and make my team do push-ups if kids weren't calling for the puck. And you could tell in a practice, like for all the coaches that are the next practice you run, I want you to not say anything if kids aren't calling for the puck and see what the energy level is like. And then you make them call for the puck and you see what the energy level is like for a practice. It is night and day every time. So there's my little experiment for everybody. And actually, before you go on for your next one, I want one other one playing with your head up. Playing with your head up is like the most important. I've said this a lot, but like, it's so important. One of the most important skills that you can have because it allows you to, to scan. It allows you to survey what's going on. It allows you to do so many different things and see what's unfolding right in front of you. So shoulder checking, having your head up, when you have the puck always scanning the ice to see where, where things are going. Um, So, so, so important. And if, and if I'm a coach, I'm saying that all the time, head up, head up. Like I was at Hardy's camp, right? Just last week and Brandon Norado, one of the top skills coaches in the world, he's a skills coach in the NHL. Like we literally did a drill where guys were um, working on their edges and stuff. And I was standing there holding up fingers and they had to shout out what, how many fingers I was holding up. And these are, you know, some of the top younger players in the country that are at this camp. Like it's so important to keep your head up.
1: It's massive, man. I a hundred percent believe that because Uh, No one taught me that when I was younger and I had some pretty tough tunnel vision for the levels I was at, like for being a professional, like my vision was not as good as other guys. And I know that, and I I worked on it when I got to college and pro like as much as I could to get better. But like, yeah, that is, I say that in practice last year, literally every single drill. And it's just like, I wish I could have electrodes on the guys. And when they would put their head down in practice, I could zap them because it just, they, it would, they would go every time. These are 18 year olds, you know, the best 18 year olds in our city that are still not playing juniors. And they just, you know, they'll look up when I'm saying it. And then one minute later you look over their heads back down, heads back down, heads back down. And it's just like, that's a habit and it's, it's hard to work on that. But like you said, those first few shooting drills, I mean, those are a chance to work on, you know, your passing, your stick handling, your shooting in stride, calling for the puck. And I love what you said about, being loud on the ice and talking and then how much more energy there is on the rink. Like I was smiling through that whole thing because that was exactly how I played every day. The first drill I'd be going first and I'd be screaming for pucks, like so loud to just get the boys laughing and going and energetic. Then the next guy does it and energy feeds and energy builds and energy begets energy, man. Like that's so true. I love that you said that.
0: Yeah. And I want to just add one thing to the, uh, Um, you know, the head up thing. That's why I think people need to be careful with power edge pro because, you know, power edge pro is, is cool, right? With the implements on the ice and all the stuff that they do in the programming. And obviously McDavid is, is big and marketing it. They have some NHL guys that are doing it, but watch kids as they're doing it. And a lot of them have their heads down. And if you are going, if you are a power edge pro program or something that you believe in, that's, that's fine. Um, I don't love it because I think it teaches kids to have their head down um, just kind of naturally because they're looking at the implements right in front of them. Um, If you are going to do it, I would be like yelling at the kids all like head up, head up, head up, head up, head up. Just a, just a little bit of a disclaimer there because I see some of the videos and um, I think with the, you know, the NHL guys, they can do it in their sleep. Um, But I've been on the ice with kids doing that stuff and a lot of them are doing it head down and that's just a terrible habit to to have
1: it is i mean we all know we've all played with those guys who have terrible tunnel vision you know what I mean? and they're the worst to play with because you're like i'm never gonna get <laughs> the to horse play. blinders <laughs> yeah like just straight looking down a, a narrow tunnel a narrow hallway and they can't see anything outside straightforward and real quick, like to something, a way to work on that also is in the gym, my guys and girls have their head up the entire workout, whether we're doing agility, running sprints, like lifting, like anything, like, your head is up. Your eyes are up just because again, it's a habit and it's something you always riding the bike. So many people, what do they do when they start going hard? They look down. That's going to be a habit. You're going to translate into your sports. Keep your head up, keep your eyes up and always be scanning. It's just another skill you can be working on.
0: Love that. Love that off the ice stuff too. That's pretty cool. All right. We beat that one to a dead horse. Uh, um, he gone. All right. What do you got? What's your next one?
1: I know we've talked about this one, but I want to talk about it again because um, a woman named Noreen Ash sent it to me. She said, how do you navigate through the gazillion emails inviting your son to this camp and that <laughs> camp, which are worthwhile and which are just money grabs? I know we've talked about this a lot, but I think we should just touch on it quickly because we talked about it a lot. And then I still get this question all the time. And it's because parents care and they're trying to help their son.
0: Yeah. Noreen, Noreen. I've uh, actually coached her son. Uh, Good kid. Yeah. Um, What do you think? Go, go ahead.
1: I mean, I, I know that you obviously have more experience in this than me because you were a recruiter and you got to see all this stuff and talk to all these kids firsthand. Where are you going? What are you getting? So you know way more than I do about this. I'm just getting into this now, but I do know that it seems like all of my guys that junior A teams had serious interest in They talk to a scout face to face on the phone or via email, like conversations back and forth. And then they wanted them to come to camp. So for those higher, higher, um, higher, higher level guys that are like for sure going to play juniors, like you'll know if a team wants you. So you don't you'll go to camps where you're talking to the coach for the guys who nobody really talked to. I would, first of all, let all, get all the teams lined up on your table or something and look at them and then maybe go through what your position is and see how many guys are losing from the year before because odds are you're going to have to go to camp and battle a little bit more since since you're coming in as a little more of an unknown. So if you see a team had four guys you know that are all leaving to go play college hockey and you're a left winger, maybe that's a team you want to try out for because there might be more spots. Uh, I mean, that's just – and then it all depends on how much money you're willing to spend to try and get your help your son get to that next goal. If I was a millionaire and my son was on the bubble and he was like, this is my dream. I'd spend as much money as I could to help him achieve that dream. Um, so it's kind of like, what's, what's it worth to you?
0: Sure. Um, so here's the thing. Cause I, <laughs> again, this is, a, I've, we've definitely talked about this, but it is important. It's that time of year right now too, right? Where a lot of that kind of stuff is going on. Um, I think, you can tell when it's a generic email, right? Like enter your son's name here. And then it just gets sent out. Um, those are money grabs. I think, um, for the most part, those are money grabs. I think if it, if you're talking about wanting to make a team, like if you're going to go to a camp to try and make a team, um, unless that coach has called you, you know, on the phone and expressed interest and knows about the strengths and weaknesses of your son or your daughter, um, knows the coach has talked to the coach and like done their research and stuff like that. Um, you know, most junior teams, um, specifically, they know what their roster is going to be the next year for the most part. And you're going to camp, they, there's some spots open, I would say, but a lot of them kind of know, right. So all these pre-draft stuff and, you know, all that kind of stuff, if you're getting a generic email from a pre-draft kind of thing, um, chances are it's, you know, it's an email to try and get you to pre-draft camp. So the owner can make, or the coach can make some money. Right. Um, so I think watch out for the, uh, you know, the generic emails, um, again, know when your kid is being actually recruited versus just get one email and that's all you hear from somebody. And then I think another thing too is just word of mouth. Um, So find people that have gone to X, Y, and Z camp. Maybe it's not a trial, but just other camps because people are getting asked to go to these exposure camps. Those are huge now. Um, So word of mouth and ask people if their kids have enjoyed going to that before for the people that have gone to too. So, you know, do your research and kind of understand when the emails are generic versus when it's actually kind of like recruiting, if that makes any sense.
1: Yeah, no, that that totally makes sense. But What if, what if you're one of those people who like you were a fourth liner at midget major or midget minor, and you're looking to make a junior team and you're going to be somebody who hasn't been talked to yet, but you've worked so hard to get better over the summer. And now maybe you have a chance with your skill level. Like what then, where do you go? Do you think just go to a main camp or do you think you have to go to a a pre-draft camp and all these things?
0: Call, call the coach you know, call the coach and say, Hey, I'm Jeff Levecchio from St. Louis. Have you heard of me? If not, this is who I am. I want to make your team. What spots are available? What kind of roles are you looking for? Um, I think I can fill those kinds of roles, send them game tape, Um, you know, be the best advocate for yourself. Uh, You know, it's, it's good to, it's very, here's the thing. It's very rare for a kid to show up at a junior tryout without the coach knowing who they are and make a team. Right. But if they have a little bit of an idea and they know to look for you, because tryouts, like especially when they're in the summer, they're 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 not very good. Right. Like it's kind of summer hockey. People are trying to do their own thing. It's not really hockey that they're playing. It's more like individual trying to look good type hockey. Um, so it's hard, especially for kids who are like you're talking about the fourth liners that might not have the skill of the of the topper topper. Did I just say topper of the top <laughs> kind of guys? Right. So, you know be be initiative you know, like take initiative and be your best advocate and uh i think the more research that you can do and the more you can put yourself out there the better off uh the decision you'll be able to make
1: i love that call the coach absolutely love that boom do it
0: <laughs> all right should we move on to the next one yep Okay, cool. Um, So, Paul Conboy, this is an interesting one. I'd love to hear what your kind of thought is. Um, I'd love for some of the terminology used to be explained. I've been playing for 35 years and coaching for 10 and haven't heard of stick pressure anywhere. One of your guests said bunny play also once. So, what are some, like, things, what are some kind of, like, terminology that's being talked about today that might not be mainstream or whatever?
1: Well, I mean, I (laughs) – I read that I was very surprised that Tim has been in hockey that long and he's never heard the term stick pressure. Um, that's, that's, uh, Tim, that's when you use your stick to pressure a guy with the puck. Um, if you skate at a guy with your stick up in the air, you're not able to make a play on him until you hit him. Okay. But if you use the length of your arm, which is your shoulder to your fingertips plus your hockey stick, you know, you're going to get there. You know, for me, I'm guessing that my stick, my hockey stick was probably like, I don't know, five, five, eight. And my arm is, I have no idea, two and a half feet. So, like, I'm getting to that guy. I can get touch the puck. uh, blah, 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 Do the math. What are that? Seven, eight feet sooner. <laughs> so, carry the two. <laughs> yeah. So, stick pressure is massive. Stick pressure also is closing lanes on the ice while you're forechecking or backchecking. Um, If you're a guy who's in the middle of the ice on your neutral zone forecheck, if your stick's up in the air, that team can pass the puck through you. If your stick is always on the ice and you're always keeping it, you know, stick on puck, parallel with it, even if it's 20 feet away from you, you're going to be in that guy's passing lane, and now he has to sauce the puck or he has to get off a bad pass. You break it up, you go down the other way, pass it to Lovecchio, he shoots, he scores. So stick pressure is massive. Um, I don't know what he's talking about bunnies. I don't,
0: do you remember that? Yeah, no, I don't. Uh, I'm not sure about that. Um, uh, only,
1: only bunny terminology that I can think of in hockey would be like puck bunnies. And that's, like a term, <laughs> that's the, a term that boys <laughs> give the, the girls who just follow around, you know, hockey players. Guys
0: like Jeff Levecchio. Um, no. I think what he might've been talking about is like a buddy pass. You know, when you get a pass, like, uh, you know, when you're kind of looking straight up ice and you're looking, uh, like your toes are pointed up ice and you're looking back and you get a suicide pass. You yeah. Know, oh yeah. and you get absolutely clobbered. I've heard of like a buddy pass. Maybe that's what he was talking about. Yeah. Um, but I have a few things written down here, just like little terminology stuff that, um, I don't know, it's kind of like buzzwords nowadays that people are talking about. Um, You know, one, there's like 8 million different um, sayings for back check now, (laughs) you know, like tracking and back check and back pressure and all that kind of stuff. So, um, but I think it's important because sorting things out on the back check is, you know, one of the best team um, not necessarily system, but best team concepts that you can do. We used to do a ton of that in, in college. That's massive. Yeah. Yeah. And some teams do it differently, right? Like if you're coming back on the back check, there's some teams, actually a lot of them have a marker now of the red line. So if you're a forward and you're back pressuring some, some do red line, some do uh, blue line. So they're going to, the forward is going to back pressure the guy with the puck all the way to the blue line let's say the your defensive blue line. And as soon as you get to the defensive blue line, if you don't have them yet, you pass that guy off to the D and now you're looking for any trailers coming through. Some teams actually do it to the red line, especially with the one, one, three uh, neutral zone four check, especially like with the F one coming back and angling. if you can get him by the red line, do it. If not, get the next wave to, to do it. Um, so, you know, track back, back pressure, sorting it out on the back check. Um, those, another one that people are talking about a lot is, to, uh, where are your toes pointed, right? Where Bobby are you? <laughs> right. So he talked about it, uh, in a lot of different ways, but you know, certain ways that you can talk about it is if you're a winger in the defensive zone, you never want to have your toes pointed up ice, North, or south. You always want to have your toes pointed east or west so you can see the whole play that's in front of you. If the puck is down low, you can watch the puck and you can also have your head on a swivel and you can watch where your defenseman is so you can be in that shot lane as well. Um, so again, defensively, a lot of times in the D zone, especially for the wingers, you want to have your toes pointed east, west. And then a lot of things, you know, uh, in transition, getting your toes pointed in a certain way, um, when you're angling, right. You want to get your toes starting to point north, going back east, west, going back south. Um, so there's a lot of different ways that you, but a lot of people are talking about where your toes are pointed, um, as you're playing the game.
1: That was a massive point you just made too. And, um, That's all I do. A lot of my kids on this team, it (laughs) is true. A lot of kids on my team this year had a lot of trouble with this that were wingers, finding where the puck is and then finding where your point man is. Like that is so massive. And if you can find a way to stay parallel with him as much as possible, like kind of, you got to kind of make like a 90 degree angle between the puck, you and the defenseman you're covering and then know when to slash back towards your net slash the wall, the dot to cut him off if he winds up walking off the wall, but always knowing where that D man is. As soon as I learned how to use those angles on the ice with the puck in there, and that helped me with how low and how high I should also be um, north, north and south. And then, Where's the D man east and west finding him and staying kind of in a 90 degree angle? It made playing defensively so much easier and you block so many more shots because you're always in that D man's lane. You don't have to like slide and skate as he's coming at you shooting.
0: Yeah. If that makes sense with the angles. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it's important to just survey and know what's going on on the ice at all times. Right. And again, we've talked about shoulder checks a million different times. Um, So I think, yeah, I think that's massive. I think another kind of buzzword that's being talked about a lot nowadays is deception. Um, So providing um, the player that you're playing against with misinformation um, before you're going to make a play. Right. So if you're a defenseman going back on a retrieval, um, and you're getting to the puck at an angle. Are you using your body and you're using the way that you're pointing your skates to kind of make the forward or the forechecker think you're going one way and then boom, you're going the other way to make a play. Um, as, a, as a forward coming up the ice, don't skate straight. You know, skate on angles. You know a little bit more east-west with your crossovers. Provide misinformation, and that's something that Stan actually used to talk about all the time when I was playing for him and like PUs and Bantams. Like he was a big in the head fake, head fake. Use like use your whole body when you're coming up the ice, or in, if you're in a you know in a tight small area game type situation. Like if you're going to try and fake you had somebody sick out
1: head fakes. Now I think about it. You had sick head
0: fakes. Oh yeah. And Adam Nicholas has talked about it too. When we've had him on. Right. And it's not head fake. It's like a freaking full yeah. body fake too. So like when we would do our skill drills, like around cones and tires and, and when we were doing small area games with Stan and stuff, like we would have to like use our entire body. And if we didn't somersault, do it please. <laughs> right. So again, it's providing misinformation to, the defender or the person that you're playing against, uh, by using your body physically, using your head, using your shoulders, um, using your torso to make them think you're doing one thing and then doing another.
1: Yeah. Oh man. That's, it's funny because I didn't have like the hands that you had, like my hands just were never, no matter how much I worked on, they never, like, I never had very good hands, but I, so instead of, Using that skill, I started using like deception skills. Like, I'd always fake shots cause I, I shot all the time. So like D men would always think he's going to shoot. Cause this idiot will shoot from anywhere on the ice. But then because I knew <laughs> they, they would know me and see that I was like always leading the league or leading the team for sure. in shots, I would do a lot of fake shots and then use my speed to get around a guy because you know, I couldn't stick him around him, but that's how I got to use a different skill and do deception. It's so massive. Like going into a corner, if you're the first guy and you know, there's a D man behind you, like he's thinking, okay, lunchtime, like I'm going to merc this guy if you go straight at that puck, it is super easy for the D-man. If you come on an angle and you, you know, like you just said, do like a full body fake one way and then turn into the glass. And if you even jump up on the glass a little bit and let the D-man get close to you, you slingshot yourself back on the D-man. That's when you see those D-men hit you. So that is a really good way, like let them get close to you instead of like you just letting them lunch, you know, right. As they're about to hit you. If you jump up in the glass, just a tiny bit, boom, slingshot, you're going to get right on top of them. You got the puck and you're
0: going. I like it. I like it. That's so true. Um, one other one I want to talk about, and I think it's one that's not talked about enough and that's poise poise with the puck. Right. And like having patience, because again, we live in a fast, fast, fast world and there is a place for that. I feel like I'm banging on like, um, playing fast. I do think it's so important to, to think fast. Um, especially the levels you go up, the less time and space you're going to have. So the more important it is that you think fast, but at the same time, some of the best players in the world, they know when to play fast and they know when to show patience and they know when to show poise. And I think if we can teach, um, our players that poise by, and again, that's something that you can do by the small area games, um, and, and just letting the kids play. It's funny. I was talking to Dustin Brown the other day. Um, he played in our charity game and it's funny, just happenstance walking into Lowe's and Dustin was walking in at the same time. And we talked a lot about that, just like having poise and he talked, it's funny. Cause he talked about the younger players nowadays and he sees it with his kid too. His kids at Peewee. Um, but even the younger players coming up in playing in the NHL, he's talking about how they're so skilled, but they can't think the freaking game. Um, because they just, again, that's USA hockey. They're, they're hammering skill development a lot and, but they're also hammering the small area games a lot. And I think what people don't, um, understand about the small area games is that's where you can teach the poise versus playing fast and the thinking it and things like that. So like, it's not all about skill development. Skills are important. Yes. But you got to let the kids play too. And you got to let them have fun and let them figure this stuff out on their own. Yeah, Totally love that
1: absolutely nothing but, to add care to expand yeah <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you, you expanded it i can't get any bigger Great <laughs>
0: um but uh yeah i just think poise is is uh it's it's such an underrated skill and that's what they asked. so you know underrated things uh that they wanted us to talk about in terms of terminology so just teaching poise and uh, i just think it's it's so important so uh you're up dude what do you got
1: um, I'll just ask a quick fun one here. Uh, drew Moffat said, was my favorite. What is your favorite memory from WMU? So I'll tell you mine, but first tell me yours from Cornell, your own personal favorite memory,
0: favorite memory from Cornell. Yeah. Uh, Oh man. <laughs> Meeting my wife. No, just kidding. <laughs> uh, hockey memory. Nah, hockey memory. That's not, uh, well,
1: you I got, yeah, go no, ahead. Hey. It's yeah. a hockey Let's
0: for stop, time. stop, stop. Okay. <laughs> hockey memory. Hey, there's nothing like winning a championship. There's nothing like winning a championship, man. And when we won the ECAC championship my freshman year, um, that it bonds you forever. Like, you know, you're still on text chains with those guys and, and you still talk about it from time to time. And, um, you know, getting to come back and you know you're a champion, I just, there's, nothing like, there's nothing like that. So I would say my best memory was probably, you know, holding up the, the cup or whatever the cup was called, the ECAC Cup um that was pretty cool
1: that's unreal uh we did not win anything at west we won a playoff series for the first time on the road in in 20 years or something so like that was really cool but i'd probably say my two fair memories that have two um god it's so hard maybe three i don't know uh
0: you, you knew this question coming in, too. I know. Well, I was just thinking about it. We like, could probably God, like, think, go all day, dude. No, I know. On honestly. ice and off ice memories, too. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah totally. I don't know. Uh, being named captain as a sophomore was, was very humbling and exciting for me. Um, that was really cool. Being named a finalist for Defensive Forward of the Year my sophomore year, that was really, really cool. We had such a good team that year, so that was super exciting. And then when we won our first game – um, my freshman year against number one ranked in the nation, Ohio State, we swept them on Halloween weekend and had the sickest Halloween party. <laughs> and at, we, they sold out the rink both games and Lost the Lunatics got the whole ring chanting overrated like the whole game, each yeah. game of the weekend. So then at our party, we were chanting that. It was just, it was, it'll never be forgotten. And every time sugar, we're going down, my follow boy comes on. I think of that party and all the people chanting overrated, you know, we didn't win a championship. So that was a pretty big deal for us. That was pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I tell you what, man, that is like, you go back to like memories, a victory song after a win in the locker room is really cool. And if you're playing at home, the victory song, when it comes on at, at like 1 a.m. after everybody's had a few, too, and it comes back on and you're just going after it. Like, that's pretty, that's pretty fun. I remember yeah. that. Ours ours one year was uh, Take Me Home Country Roads. And like, our team was unreal that year. And we got going on that. And it was uh, like, it was pretty sick.
1: Oh, God, such good memories. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. I'm going totally. back I'm going back to Western for our golf outing. First time I've been back since I signed and left. When is it? Uh it's not this coming weekend, the weekend after. Like, oh, okay. July twenty seventh, I think. Yeah, we're gonna uh a bunch of guys from my class are, are gonna go back and celebrate uh you know Sean Weaver, my teammate, uh, my classmate who passed away um two Christmases ago. So pretty exciting that we're all gonna get back and, and honor him. So that'll be fun.
0: Yeah, yeah, that'll be uh that'll be pretty cool. But I think A lot of the things too, like as we're thinking about this, just like, just like little conversations that you have with guys that you knew you made an impact, like that, that's pretty cool stuff. Like as a captain, as an older guy, like taking a younger guy aside and, you know, knowing that you're telling them something and then they're going to incorporate it, it's going to help their careers. I think that was also, uh, it's kind of like a smaller scale type thing, but I think that was pretty, pretty impactful for me anyway, to, to be able to have that
1: yeah I mean I totally agree being being a leader is always something that's challenging and rewarding and exciting, especially when you can help not mold but help steer you know a younger guy in the right direction it's always it's always fun to see that happen so um, what else we got for questions here
0: all right i got I got another one. This is from meter forty one on Twitter. Uh, with your recruiting experience of AAA players, how many estimate the percentage move on to play high level juniors and then non to division one college hockey? Um, that's a really good question. I, I, I don't really have a good answer, but I still wanted to um, you know, I still wanted to say this question anyway, because everybody has a different path, right? Like, I think that's the biggest thing when thinking about this question and how to answer it, because I don't know off the top of my head, what the percentage would be because it's different. Like you go to the Chicago mission um, it's going to be different than a AAA a team in, I don't know, Idaho <laughs> or whatever. Um, but everybody has a different path. And, you know, I know guys that didn't play high level AAA a midget hockey that went on to play college hockey. You know, I know guys that didn't play in the USHL or the North American League at 18, 19 years old, but they did at 19, 20 years old and went on to play college hockey. Um, so from a AAA hockey standpoint, estimating a uh a percentage of how many move on, like, I don't really know. And I don't really want to answer that question because there's just so many different ways you can get to accomplish your dreams. Um, I do think it's a good question, but I just... I don't know. And I think everybody just has a different path, you know?
1: Like, are you looking at like per city, per state, like, cause I'm sure some States that percentage is much higher um, and then some's much lower. And yeah, like you said, it's, you know, I, right now I got a couple guys that aren't able to make, or they haven't made two or three junior teams are going to camps and they're making it to the all-star game. And for whatever reason, every all-star game, the coach does, Oh, you know, we liked you, but just like not enough to take you basically. And it's like, well, do you just stop playing or do you learn every time get better and go to the next one and try and make that team like, you know, like then that guy, he could have quit and he wouldn't have been one of the guys who made it or some personalities will learn and work harder and be smarter and get better and they will make the team. So, I mean, it's, it's always ebbing and flowing. I don't really think that that's a, that's such a tough question.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I got one more question here. I don't, do you have, I don't know if you have another one, but I have another one that I think is really interesting. And this is from Brandon Wong, Brandon Wong hockey. I got this one on Instagram. Brandon Wong was an unreal player at Quinnipiac by the way. I hung
1: out with him once with uh, Andy Meyer, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, They might've been
0: classmates even, or
1: the Wonger
0: beauty. (laughs) uh so he said discussing about players with a solid sat score picking between ivy league and other reputable schools um i thought this was an awesome question and certainly have a lot of insight on this one um so as i'm recruiting at cornell at an ivy league school there's three questions that i need to ask right there's three kind of boxes that have to be checked for you to play at an ivy league institution number one can you get in What are his grades, his or hers? What are their grades, right? So can I go to the academic department? And how it works for Ivy Leagues is you have, it's what's called an academic index, right? So you throw in your SAT or ACT score and you throw your GPA in to an Excel spreadsheet model and that model spits back out a number. And if that number is not above a certain threshold, it doesn't matter if you're Sidney Crosby, you cannot be eligible to play an Ivy League sport right? So number one is academics. Can you get into the school? Because if you can't, there's no point in recruiting you. <laughs> right. And, and that's another thing. Um, but with that, like the higher your grades are, the more attractive you are to our school, because we can't get in it. Let's say we have a recruiting class of eight players. We can't get in eight players right above that academic index threshold. Right. We have to meet kind of like an average or we have to there's a sliding scale that we have to use. So we have to, you know, get people that ours were called bands that are high bands, really high academic, mid bands and low bands. But they all have to be above that academic index. So number one, can you get it? Number two, can you afford it? So Ivy League schools do not have scholarships. It's a need based merit um, not merit it's a need based financial aid system so basically your parents send your tax return their tax returns and and all their financial information to the financial aid office the financial aid office comes back of a number of what they think you can afford to send your kid to an ivy league school and that's basically what it is so you know for some families that lie in the middle that's it kind of sucks because you don't qualify for a lot of aid but you're not rich enough where it just doesn't matter where you're writing a $70,000 check to, to send your, your son or daughter oh. to school. Right. So um, and, and one thing that we always um, talked to recruits and their families about is that every Ivy league school actually has a financial aid calculator online. So at their websites, you can go in and you can, as long as you're truthful with what you're entering in with your financial information, you can enter that into the calculator and it will spit back out a number And that number is relatively pretty, as long as you're, again, entering in honest information, pretty accurate in terms of what you're going to pay for your son or daughter to go to an Ivy League school. So number one, can your son or daughter get in? Number two, can you afford to send your son or daughter to that school? And then last but not least, is your son or daughter good enough to play? (laughs) Are they going to have an impact on our team? Right. So those are the three boxes that you have to check. Can you get in? Can you afford it? And you are, are you a good enough player to play, uh, for our program? So again, discussing, again, Warner's question discussing a solid SAT score picking between Ivy leagues and other reputable schools, you know, maybe you're offered a scholarship to go to X school and you're, uh, you know, your parents are going to have to pay $40,000 a year to go to Y school. That's an Ivy league school. Um, that's certainly a factor that goes into it. Um, So again, those are a lot of different things, a lot of different information there. Um, Again, walking out of Cornell with an Ivy League degree is something that is going to help you for the rest of your life. Part of the reason why I chose to to go to an Ivy League school and I'm obviously not using that degree at all right now. So (laughs) uh, it is what it is, but um, that's a long-winded answer to that question. um, But there's a lot of different factors that go into it. But from an Ivy League school standpoint, What are your grades? Can your parents afford it? And are you good enough to play are the three main things that we look for as coaches. Cornell,
1: ever heard of it?
0: (laughs) I was watching The Office today. I was talking with Mikey Roger last night at our charity game and he listens to the podcast and he was saying how he gets all of our office references. So I was happy about that.
1: What a beauty, man. He helped me, uh, he helped me get to Japan big time. So if you're listening, Raj, thanks buddy. And then I wound up playing against him. He was like semi-retired and then he wound up getting back into Asia. Dude, Asia were like the hidden gem because you get treated so well and paid pretty well. And he just kept getting in there, man. He just lit that league up. He's so nasty.
0: He's so good at hockey.
1: Yeah. He's really fast.
0: Yeah, him and I are running some skill stuff together right now in the summer. And uh like he's demonstrating these drills and I'm just like sitting there like, yeah, no, you're good. I don't need to demonstrate that one. That looks like a total. Watch watch what
1: Mike's doing. Watch what Mike's (laughs) coach Mike. Watch Coach Mike. Don't look at me, look at him.
0: Do what he's doing. Um, okay, cool. Any other questions? Do you have any other ones that you have?
1: No, I think, uh, you know, I had a couple that I answered just when people messaged me. So um, thank you, everyone who who sent us messages, took time to uh, to ask us different questions. Um, you know, if we didn't get to them, we'll try and get to them next time or answer you privately. Don't ever be afraid to uh, DM me or toll on so- social media, whatever it is, Instagram, Twitter. Um, toll still probably got his MySpace up, um, so you can hit him <laughs> up on
0: the <laughs> I never actually had a
1: MySpace. Uh, me neither, but uh, I, was, I was just dogging on Eat you. You <laughs> did. Uh, don't be afraid to check out Topher's sick shootout on some probably poor young soul who's just going to get barraged on Twitter for Toph sniping him. But pretty sick move. Always a good time to watch him play hockey and come out and watch us play in the charity classic because will still be sick, no doubt about it. And I'll be pretty rusty, but I'll
0: probably accidentally run someone over. Oh, no, man. I'm so out of shape right now. It's like the first couple shifts that I had were, were very tough. I legit, I'm not even lying. I think I was minus six in the first half. We did two halves. I think I was minus six. Um, oh, that's but great. we ended up we were down our team was down nine to three at one point and we came back and uh tied the game like 11 11 in the last minute so
1: oh my god yeah, it. yeah
0: it's funny the charity games like all the nhl guys they don't really try it first you know because it's a charity uh, game they don't want to get hurt or whatever and then they get down and then they, <sighs> just, they just they're competitive right so they're like okay i'm gonna have to get this going so then they started going and it was it was pretty funny
1: Dude, I love that. So my, my first time I played like any kind of men's league or anything after being retired was probably in like October with the Blues alumni. And we were playing against um, McKendree University Club. I, I don't know if they're D1 Club or if they're D1, D2 D Club, but uh, they're, they're pretty good. And we're getting annihilated in the first five minutes. They scored a goal in the first shift. And we had out, like, you know, Terry Yake and Jim Campbell and Barrett Jackman and guys who are still nasty at hockey, and they're just flying around. And, and the boys are like, we got we to gotta get the energy back. <laughs> I was like, boys, I got this. I'll go truck some kid. Dude, I trucked some poor young oh my god! Boy. But guess what? We turned it around. The boys were digging it. I dove face first to block a shot like an idiot. Um, and, you know, we turned that energy around like you were talking about earlier. We had a great time. So. I love when the guys, they, like, they they were like, oh, we'll have fun, we'll have fun. And then we start losing, and they're like, no, okay, seriously, somebody's got to score now. <laughs> so I know <laughs> what you're talking about.
0: That's awesome. Oh, so funny. I love that. But uh, before we go, uh, I do want to talk about our player development conference in Chicago that we're getting jacked for. Um So we have two deals that are going on next week that we wanted to talk to you guys about because we've gotten some feedback and uh, we also like, this is a grassroots thing that we want to do. Um, and we really want to help out a lot of organizations and a lot of players too, because again, we don't want this to just be for coaches. We want players who feel like they can get something out of this to come to this as well. And so two of the deals that we're going to do, we're going to have a group rate. So if organizations want to send, you know, their coaches for their coaching education part of their organizational duties. Um, so uh, we're going to have a group rate for $99 uh, for organizations if they want to spend their or send their coaches. Um, so we wanted to lay that out there. So if you want to do this, that if you're a association president or um, you know, you're a hockey director for a youth organization, uh, shoot me an email at tolfer at the hockey think tank.com. And uh, we'll provide that pricing. If you do want to send uh, some of your coaches to our conference. And the other thing, when it comes to players, you know, some of the feedback that we've gotten from uh, parents is like, Hey, um, if I want to send my kid, is it all right? If I come too? do I have to pay, you know, the, the fee to come in? And so we're like, no, I mean, that that shouldn't be the case. So we're going to do a buy one, get one free, for, for players and parents. Um, so if you do want to send your kid, um, you know, if he has aspirations to play at the highest levels and there are some kids that are actually coming already that have emailed me. Um, but the parent, if you want to send them, if you want to come in and, and, uh, and listen to what we have to say and listen to what all these uh, high level coaches have to say too. Uh, you're more than welcome. So again, uh, if either of those things interests you, uh, the group rate for $99 or the buy one, get one free. If you're a parent and want to send your kid, uh, shoot me an email at tofer at the hockey think and we'll set that up because we want to make people better. That's why we're doing it. And uh, we got some feedback on that, and that's what we want to do for you guys.
1: Awesome! Love yep. it. Let's August third. Let's get let's get some butts in those seats. August
0: third. <laughs> August third in Chicago at the Chicago Blackhawks uh, practice facility, Fifth Third Arena. Uh, we are jacked for it. Uh, I know that the presenters are jacked for it too. I've been in touch with all those guys, and uh, really looking forward to hopefully see we see you there on August third.
1: What time, uh, what time is it at?
0: 9 o'clock, 9 a.m. So registration starts at 8, 9 o'clock start, and we're going to get her going, baby. And then what time does it end? It's going to end at 5 o'clock.
1: Oh, yeah. So probably go out, meet some people after get a big group going. That'd be pretty fun.
0: Absolutely. We want to do something social afterwards for the people that come, uh, you know, just kind of talk on a, you know, relatable kind of like uh, just easy going kind of level too. And uh, so, yeah, so you'll be able to, again, that's a big part of the conference is being able to meet the people and being able to talk to them, ask questions, not just PowerPoints and sitting there and taking notes. Um, but we're going to provide some great things. Uh, it's going to be awesome at the Blackhawks practice facility. And uh, I'm looking forward to learning from people who are, Way smarter than I am, so it'll be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, super, super, super exciting. You you have a serious brainiac think tank put together for this thing. Uh, I'm definitely going to be bringing my my notepad and my pen.
0: <laughs> brainiac, but also really good and funny dudes too. A lot of oh yeah, guys. not like <laughs>
1: nerds. Like, no, <laughs> a lot not lot like of the cool guys. brainiacs. Sure, like you, right? They <laughs> <you laughs> call me a brainiac. I don't think so. But uh, yeah, it's going to be super Cole? fun. Well, I mean, is, is the sky blue? I don't know, but (laughs) (laughs) no, but yeah, yeah. I'm stoked. And uh, yeah, we should have some kind of social thing where we'll go somewhere right after and um, have some
0: bevvies you bet man all right good stuff here tonight thanks for the questions and everything uh i'm gonna mr miyagi this thing up right now make sure it gets out in the morning so uh thank you for everybody for tuning in we really appreciate everything that you've done for us in our podcast and we're looking forward to another fun one next week